I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm here with Blake Alderman. And we are here to discuss the Florida-Auburn game. We kind of previewed it a little bit earlier in the week, but we are going to dive into it heavily on this Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening edition of the podcast. Uh, Blake, first, I kind of wanted to start off, uh, I know I had a chance to watch the uh, HBO special, I guess you'd call it kind of documentary series or whatever on Florida last night, uh, kind of the Hard Knocks type show. Um, and I, I think you watched it as well. I just kind of wanted to talk about some of our takeaways from that because I thought it was a really unique piece of of branding for Florida, of um, just kind of insight into the program. But I guess what, what was your what was your thoughts on on seeing that for the first time? Yeah, you know, I thought HBO did a really good job. I thought that uh, if you're someone like me who had to bum a HBO Go login <laughs> or you don't have HBO Go, um, there's a lot of good scenes of kind of seeing that family approach that Coach Mullen has preached on this program. You see his wife, Megan Mullen, really involved a lot of the players. She's there when Felipe's hurt. You know, you know I, I think there was a scene that she brought him like chicken soup or something after his surgery. So I thought that was pretty cool because I, I don't think that those are things that you can really – you know, you, you can read all the stories you want on Swamp 24-7. We can do all the interviews. We can gather these things. But whenever you see things like that, and I, I thought it was put together really well, I, I think it's just something different. It, it's just a different aspect that you can bring into a program. And I, I thought HBO did a really good job with, you know, little things like that of just kind of seeing, you know, Florida's best player and, you know, how the how the guys were really around him. You know, he, he shed, shed some tears um, just because he was so overwhelmed at one point by all the support from everyone. So I thought that was a pretty cool moment for that, uh, for that program. Yeah, it was really neat, um, you know, because I'm around the program a lot on a daily basis, so we probably see a little bit more um, than even some fans get in terms of, you know, just being able to see a lot of these guys as actual, you know, human beings rather than just guys that go out there and wear the pads on Saturday and that's it. Um, and it's it's I thought it was really cool. You mentioned that, you know, the scene with Felipe Franks and, and Megan Mullen. I thought that was probably the most powerful of the entire hour long episode where. Um, you just really felt for the guy, you know what I mean? He, he's clearly been through a ton, um, you know, not even, not even talking about all the stuff that he went through on social media in 2017 and, and really even last year. Um, but just, you know, he's never dealt with an injury. And I think he said that, you know, right before he went in for the surgery, he was clearly like very nervous, you know, and you start to realize, man, like these guys all have families. Like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I thought it was very, very impactful. And I thought, um, you know, aside from just getting that cool inside peek and, and really getting to see who these guys are as people, I also thought it was a terrific uh, presentation for Florida. I'm not sure how much control they had over kind of how it was cut up and stuff like that. But uh, if you were trying to put together something for recruits and, and show them, I would say you could pick some moments from there and, and send them. And uh, I think you'd, you'd get a lot of positive responses. I just need some fan after the game to just run up with Coach Mullen with a Bud Light Lime. I hope it's a can. I hope he <laughs> shotguns it. Coach Mullen yeah. confirmed drinks Bud Light Lime. 
Uh, I thought that was a cool thing too. Not necessarily the Bud Light with Lime. That wasn't very cool. But um, hey, whatever, I thought man. the the moment where they were all kind of out there tailgating. I thought that that was a cool moment just because, you know, we talked about it whenever that Florida played Tennessee about how we love early games. But coaches confirmed love early games too because it gives them a chance to kind of kick back and watch some football. And you know, it's not such a crazy nighttime grind. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, that's the one thing that Dan Mullen he said it a couple times, but to be able to actually watch them, you know, kind of set up their own little makeshift tailgate under the swamp and, and down some Bud Light Limes. Uh, it's cool, man. And I don't know where this hate for Bud Light Limes coming from. Like, I, I've seen it a lot on social media. I'm going to go ahead and put myself in the Bud Light Lime camp, man. On a hot day, that's like the perfect intro Very beer. True. Like, I, I'm sorry, man. I don't want I don't want some, like, uh, you know, hoppy IPA when it's 95 degrees out in the swamp and you've just been sweating for four hours. So I'm going to give Dan Mullen a pass on that one. Uh, I'll probably I'm just glad it wasn't a White Claw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, man. He uh, he wasn't going for the sorority endorsement. You got to at least give him that. That's true. <laughs> I can, I can. We can agree on that for sure. Well, Blake, but I'm- overall, one more thing to say on it too. I also yeah. thought the B roll was pretty cool. I thought a lot of the shots of the swamp, yeah, a lot of kind of those little shots like that. I think it was Payne's Prairie. They had some of the shots there. I thought all those were really cool too. Yeah, it's cool to see kind of the drone footage of you know stuff we see every day and realize, man, it's it actually looks pretty cool. Like uh, Gainesville's a pretty neat place. But, Blake, one of the things that, that stuck out to me, I thought, because, you know, we're talking about these behind-the-scene moments uh, that we kind of got a glimpse of, I thought it was really interesting to see after the Tennessee game, they showed Dan Mullen's meeting, whether it was it was either Sunday or Monday, I think it was probably Monday, um, but they, they showed Dan Mullen kind of breaking down the game and giving out, you know, the, the weekly awards, and... Um, You're back now, you cut out for a minute on my end. Okay, sorry about that. I was uh, talking about uh, Dan Mullins kind of going over the, the post-Tennessee game and giving out awards and everything for everybody. Um, I thought it was interesting that he, he kind of brought up, even before the Towson game, that the margin for error is about to shrink. Um, so he was very positive about some things that they did. He said that Tennessee game was the most complete game they had played, but that there were still things they needed to clean up and you know the margin for error is shrinking. And I thought, you know, we, I, I didn't think we saw Florida necessarily continue that same level of high play against Tennessee last week against Towson. And we touched on that a little bit. Well, now you're into the part where you don't have any chance to really get those things right anymore. You either get it right or it's going to cost you most likely. So Blake, let's start to dive into this Florida Auburn preview. Um, I think first the matchup everybody's kind of talking about is Auburn's defensive line against Florida's offensive line. Um, I'm sure there's more that we need to discuss in terms of Florida's offense versus Auburn's defense, but let's, let's go ahead and start there. What does Florida have to do on offense to make sure that Auburn's D-line doesn't wreck the game? You know, I, I think that at this point you just you have to pull a lot of your game planning from the Mississippi State last game last year that Florida played in because, you know, I don't know that it was quite as deep of a unit as Auburn's defensive line, but it's still really talented, and I think that Florida did a lot of um, you know, little things to kind of not necessarily just run it right at their at their defensive line the mm-hmm. entire time. So I think you know maybe pulling some things from there um, would be a good idea. You know, I, I just I'm not completely sure that Florida is going to be able to just run the ball consistently against this defensive line. Um, they're just too good. And and I you know if Florida's offensive line comes out and plays their best game, you know who knows. But just kind of the body work I've seen from them 
I think they're going to have to do little gimmicky plays, uh, maybe throw some ball out, uh, throw the ball out into some space, maybe a couple of tunnel screens, you know, throw some, just kind of get it out to those those really talented wide receivers that Florida Florida has. So, um, you know, I think it's going to put a lot on. It's a lot to ask Kyle Trask to do in this game because it's obviously the, the toughest opponent he's played. But I think he's shown that he's capable of managing this offense. He's shown he's patient. Um, and not necessarily a guy who's making his third start of his collegiate career. So I think you kind of have to put a lot of this game on his shoulders. Yeah, no, I would agree with that because when you look at Florida's run game and what they've been able to do so far this year, they just haven't been able to run the ball between the tackles against pretty much anybody. And I think last week against Towson was kind of the first maybe omission or uh, admission, you would say, where Dan Mullen and his staff, it seemed like, kind of realized, okay, this probably isn't going to be there most of the year. And so they tried to do some of the creative things that you're talking about, you know, the jet sweeps and, um, you know, some of the end around type stuff kind of running on the edge. Um, and I thought they were a little bit more successful doing that. Uh, I guess the big question is going to be um, if you're Auburn and you know that you have a pretty good run stopping defensive line, how do you play in terms of coverage? You know, is Auburn going to go ahead and say, OK, we, we feel pretty good about stopping you with our four guys up front and our linebackers. Do you press the, the the corners and really get on Florida and take away those short and underneath throws that Kyle Trask kind of made a living on last week? Or do you, you know, because if you do that, you get a little risky in the back end. And I, But I think maybe that's a better way. Force Trask to beat you down the field rather than giving him those short check down throws, which kind of Florida has used as an extension of the run game. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that if, if I'm scheming against Florida, I think that that's the way you have to come out. Um, obviously, it opens them up to maybe some, you know, blown coverages or, you know, some blown assignments or something. I mean, it's going to be a loud atmosphere. So that that factor is there. But, you know, I think you're going to have to do something just in that aspect to kind of maybe um, put, put some of that extra pressure on Kyle Trask. But, you know, Florida's def- or excuse me, Auburn's defensive line, they've shown that they're really good at stopping the run. They haven't quite shown that they're this pass rushing, mm-hmm. you know, mayhem causing type of defensive front. So, uh, you know, I, I think at this point you, you're really going to have to put a lot. I, you know, we talk about Florida's X factors, probably their offensive line matching up to that. But I think the flip side of the coin is uh, Auburn's secondary matching up against those talented wide receivers for Florida. Yeah, well, in Auburn secondary, if you're looking for, you know, an area where they could maybe be vulnerable, I think it is the secondary. You know, they only rank 72nd in the country in passing defense. Uh, They're giving up more than 225 yards a game through the air. Uh, So it's a unit that's been picked on a little bit. And that's kind of where I go back to, you know, how do you play it if you're Auburn? Do you do you press at the line and then risk getting beat over the top? Maybe not. You know, if you don't have a good secondary, maybe you sit those guys back and try to keep everything in front of you. And I think if Auburn does that, I think Florida's got a pretty good chance in this game. Um, because I think Kyle Trask can make those underneath throws. I think he's a smart enough, quick enough player. Um, that is, you know, as long as Florida is able to do that, they're going to put together some scoring drives. So a lot of that too, you know, how Auburn plays it in terms of the secondary, I think comes down to, you know, the, the pace of the game, who's ahead early scores, you know, those are going to be big in this game because whoever can come out and set the tone early and get ahead really can dictate how they want to play. You know, and Auburn can either decide, you know, say Auburn goes up early. They can at that point, they could decide, Hey, we feel pretty good about our offense being able to score a little bit. Um, let's keep everything in front of us. We'll give you the short underneath throws and make you earn it. Or vice versa, if Florida goes up early, you know Auburn might say, hey, we, we really got to clamp down and, and try not to give them anything else. And then Florida has some, some chances to hit you downfield. Um, but it'll be interesting. I, you know, Like you said, Auburn's, Auburn's defensive line, maybe not quite as disruptive on the pass rush as they are against the run. So I, I, I go back to what you said. I think this is a game that really Kyle Trask is going to have to play very well in for Florida to win. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those areas 
where this this is just a really hard game to predict, you know. And mm-hmm. I think whenever you look at it, you know, I think if you're Florida, you probably want to slow some things down a little bit. Um, you kind of want to again. I, I pull back to that Mississippi State game last year just because I felt like Florida really tried to dictate the pace of the game. They really tried to keep things slow. Um, you know, eat up some of that clock. So you know, I, I think that that's kind of where I see Florida, you know, I think that maybe even on the Auburn side where they're going to want to speed things up and use a lot of that speed, I think, you know, the pace of this game is really going to kind of dictate, you know, who's going to get that momentum. Yeah, I agree. And one other thing I wanted to touch on, I think real quick, because we're talking about that matchup with Auburn's D-line. Blake, would you expect to see a change in the starting lineup for the offensive line? I know Florida's tinkered with some different looks in the last week or two. You know, I know the depth chart didn't show, you know, and that doesn't mean anything, but I think it's time to put together something different you know I've said I've been pretty upfront with I think that you know moving Chris Bleich out of the starting lineup uh, moving Brett Heggie over to that right guard and kind of throwing Richard Garage over there on that left guard I I think that's what Florida has shown to be their best offensive line you know the the right side of their offensive line has been pretty weak so far this season I know you don't really have someone you can throw in for Jean DeLance Um, he's a little bit more irreplaceable so to say than maybe at a right guard spot so I, I think throwing Garage over on that left side and you know throwing Heggie who's probably your best offensive lineman other than Nick Buchanan who's important as a center um, I think that that gives you the most strength and you're going to really need it against this defensive front. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that at all. I think, you know, the one lingering concern, I guess, with Florida making that switch full time and, and getting Richard Garage in there is there's still a little concern about his uh, ability to to kind of react to things on the fly and, and pick up all the communication. And th- that's actually one of the reasons that they have him working at guard right now. Uh, I was talking to John Hevesy earlier this week about that, and he said, Basically, with you know Stone Forsyth on one side of him and Nick Buchanan on the other, they can really they they're pretty sure that he can handle you know whatever he needs to with the communication he's getting from those two. Um, it's a little more physical playing on the interior, and he's certainly going to find that out if he plays this weekend against Auburn. Um, but you don't have you're not left quite as much in space as you are at tackle, and I think that's the biggest reason we haven't seen him at tackle yet. I still think long term he's probably you know one of your answers at tackle. Like I would you said, agree. I, I don't think John Delance is getting the job done, uh, but right now I think you know Florida feels its best five is maybe not overextending Garage and putting him out there. So it'll be interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they make that change, you know, in the starting lineup. But at the very least, I think it's probably safe to say that you know the first couple blown assignments they see out of Chris Bleich, that you know, if he does end up starting, sure. they'll, they'll be pretty quick to make that change. Right, if that if that's the lineup they throw, if if Bleich does stay as that that starting spot over there, I would assume his leash is really short. It, it's been it was short against the Towson game. They made a change. Um, it, I just feel like it, he's you know he's paper thin with that you know how much they're going to give him you know just because you again the margin of error is very small in this game and and I don't think you can really take your chances with someone's just going to get beat. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well Blake, let's take a quick break. Uh, we've kind of looked at the the matchup from Florida's offensive side offensive side of the ball. When we come back on the other side of this commercial break, we will break down Florida's defense versus Auburn's offense, and we'll give you guys a quick visitor preview on what's going to be a loaded recruiting weekend. Stay tuned. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, and I'm joined by Blake Alderman here today. We're getting into the Florida versus Auburn matchup, the first matchup of two unbeaten top 10 teams in the Swamp since 2012 when LSU strolled into town. And obviously, Blake, that day, the Tigers walked out with a loss. For Florida to do the same and hand a different set of Tigers a loss, I think this game, for me, I know as much as we've talked about Auburn's defensive line and and Florida's weakness on O-line, for me, this is a game that gets decided by Florida's defense. Yeah, I would say that Florida's defense... You know, uh, while they may have missed quite a few tackles last week against Towson, and obviously that that's kind of been a, a little bit of a problem that they dealt with so far this season. Um, you know, number one in interceptions, number ones in sacks, tackles for a loss, turnovers. You know, that they're, they're ranking very high in a lot of those categories in college football. So, you know, I think whenever you're dealing with a uh, with a backup quarterback, obviously your offense is going to have some struggles, and you know they haven't really quite shown those yet. But this defense getting some guys back that have been injured over the last couple weeks. You know, Florida's given, had the luxury that we've talked about of playing a weaker Tennessee team and a weaker Towson team to really kind of let those guys get healed up. So, you know, getting those guys back, um, hopefully they're not very rusty because that could obviously hurt some things for Florida. But, you know, I think this defense is really going to have to be what Florida leans on this season, or excuse me, in this game. With it being at home, you know, rocking crowd, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's those are the things that mix up for a defense to really get after and get wild. Well, I go back to kind of what we talked about in the first segment of the show. Um you know, when you're talking about Florida's offense and how Auburn's going to defend them, I keep coming back to it really depends on what this game looks like. Um, you know, if, if Florida can kind of dictate the pace of the game, I really like Kyle Trask's ability to make the right decisions and Dan Mullen to kind of, you know, create the kind of game that Florida can win. But it comes back to, you know, Florida's defense really can't afford to have this, the kind of mistakes that they made against Towson. You can't afford to get Bo Nix into a rhythm, you know, with his ability to slip out of the pocket. You can't allow Auburn to run the ball all over you because of missed tackles. Um, if you can do those things early in this game, I, I think that the crowd, kind of as you mentioned, being electric, I think the atmosphere, I think all all of those things kind of play into Florida's favor. Uh, but it really boils down to the defense kind of setting the tone in this one. And I think they're certainly capable. You know, I mean, we haven't seen yet what this defense is fully capable of. But you look at that Tennessee game, man, they were clean. You know, there was very few missed tackles. So, I, you know, they took a step back last week against Towson, but I don't look at that as a huge concern. Um, I think it was just one of those weeks where, you know, you're not fully dialed in mentally. Um, but I think we've seen this Florida defense be able to execute. You start to get guys like Jabari Zaniga and C.J. Henderson back. Um, I think it can be pretty good. And I, I think I think this one, for me, kind of starts up front, you know, with Florida's defensive line. That group's got to be very disruptive. And, and they've got to really kind of put Auburn back on its heels a little bit. Yeah, I think if you're Florida's defense, you really want to shut down their running game first and foremost just because, you know, th- those are big keys in SEC football. Big boy football, you shut down the run and, and you make them one-sided. And at the same time, by doing that, it also makes a true freshman quarterback coming into an environment that he probably has never played in. Um, you know, you have to make him win it. And I, I, you know, Florida's players have said it all week during, uh, you know, media interviews that they're going to want to batter him. They're going to want to get after him and, you know, they're going to want to make him win the game. And, 
he certainly certainly has shown, you know, against Oregon. You know, I thought that at the beginning of the game, I'm like, man, this guy is just getting pulverized. He looks terrible. But as yeah. the game went on, you know, he kind of stayed focused. You know, he, he just he found a way to win the game for them. And I think that that's something you have to keep in the back of your mind if you're Florida, and you have to just keep the foot on the you know foot on the gas and just keep hitting him and keep going after him. Okay, so if you're gonna make Bo Nix beat you with his arm, and you're gonna you're gonna make him win the game. To do that, you're gonna have to stop Auburn's run game. So let's let's talk about Auburn's run game a little bit. Um, the Tigers are a little bit different this year. You know, under Gus Malzahn, they've pick, typically been very just downhill, you know, big back, carry on Johnson type guys that are just going to run through you. Um, Auburn's been a little different this year since Malzahn kind of took over the play calling. And it's funny because I, I think the Tigers are actually doing a lot of the same things that we saw from Florida last week against Towson. Um, now, Florida's doing it, you know, for very different reasons because they can't run it in between the tackles. Auburn's doing a lot of this, you know, uh, jet sweep type stuff, those, you know, the rocket motions more so to just kind of keep you off balance. Um, and so I think this game is going to be one where Florida has to really get a handle on that kind of edge rushing uh, that Auburn does, you know, getting to the edge and, you know, even using some of these receivers on on some runs. Um, I think that that's going to put a lot of burden on Florida's outside cornerbacks. I think Marco and CJ are going to have to tackle very well. But I think this game, Blake, is going to come down to, um, in a lot of ways, Trey Dean being very good against the run. And Amari Bernie, I think, is going to be very big. I think Florida is going to have to have sideline-to-sideline speed. As good as David Reese is between the tackles, I think Amari Bernie might have a bigger impact. Because until you shut down you know, that kind of perimeter running, um, if you don't shut that down, it's so hard to slow down the downhill attack between the tackles. Yeah, you know, I expect... Uh, Auburn, they just have a lot of speedy guys. You know, they, mm-hmm. Nick, uh, Anthony Schwartz is a really speedy guy. He's one of the, you know, he was a track kid. He, he's got track speed. Um, Sean Shivers is another running back that I remember just from being in the state of Florida, just covering recruiting another really speedy track type of running back. They just have a lot of speed. You know, I think that kind of hitting those perimeters and getting the edge, obviously, like you said, the defensive line at the edge, you want to kind of keep contained. You want to make sure you wrap up and tackle on the edges at corners. Um, you know, but I also think you're going to see Todd Grantham be pretty aggressive in his play calling. I think he's going to try to get after it, A, because of the young quarterback. And, you know, I think if you kind of get that quarterback rattled a little bit, it, it just sort of breaks your defense down. And maybe some of those things don't quite work as well anymore. You kind of take over the will of that offense. And, you know, I really think that this is going to have to be a physical game that Florida has to play. And they really have to exact their will to just kind of just take the air out of this offense that's, you know, speedy and gimmicky. And, and if you don't play good, you know, assignment football, you're going to miss. And you, you have to wrap up because a guy like Anthony Schwartz, Fast like that. If you miss a tackle, I mean, he could go ten yards easily. Yeah, when, you know, before you know, even know it. So you can't let those kind of wrap up plays because I think guys like that they're just shown they're too fast. Eli Stove is another one that Auburn has. Just a lot of guys. You know, I could sit here and talk about all these speedy guys. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And I think, you know, let's talk a little bit about Todd Grantham and this Florida defense um, because Florida has not been very good on third down this year. I want to say they're seventieth in the country right now in terms of getting off the field on third down. It's kind of been a big issue. Towson really took advantage of it. Um, you know, I thought uh, Kentucky early on in that game really took advantage of it, extended some drives. For Todd Grantham to be aggressive, I kind of go back to that run game. I think that you've got to put yourself into some of those third and long situations because I don't think I don't think you want to be super aggressive on third and short. I think that's how you extend drives. Um, and on the flip side, I think when Florida has been able to be aggressive on third and long, especially this year, you've actually seen Florida create a lot of turnovers. Seven of Florida's 13 takeaways so far this season have come on third down. And I thought it was interesting. We were talking to Todd Grantham this week about, you know, the third down numbers and kind of how they did against Towson. And um, 
he was just he was a lot less concerned than I maybe thought he initially would have been. Um, and part of the reason for that is because the, a lot of the third downs they've given up, they've given up some third and longs, but they've also put opponents into third and long a whole lot more than maybe people are used to seeing. So, you know, when you get a team to convert a third and 13 or a third and 27, those are the ones that stick in your mind because it was so long. But the fact of the matter is Florida's done such a good job on first and second down. They're really just putting a lot of teams into these third and long situations pretty frequently. So I, I kind of wanted to bring that to the, you know, into the conversation when we're talking about third and Grantham, third and long, uh, this UF defense. I think if you're seeing Florida give up a third and long or two in this game, it's probably a good sign because it probably means that they've put them into good situations, you know, on first and second down. Thomas, how big do you feel like turnovers? You know, they're obviously big in all of these games, but I feel like Florida's going to have to really create some turn turnovers defensively to really either stay in this game or, or to kind of keep that, you know, if they jump out on top, you know, turnovers all, all also kind of keep you, you know, they obviously keep you in the driver's seat. So I, I feel like turnovers are pretty big in this game. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think it's huge because again, we're talking about how the, you know, how the course of the game goes. Um, and I feel okay if Florida's in control of the, you know, the pace of the game, the tempo of the game. Um, but if Florida loses that control at any point, I don't like this offense's ability to, uh, necessarily be forced to go down the field and score with that offensive line where, you know, if Auburn's able to pin its ears back and come after you because they got 10 points ahead early on, I, Florida's chances go down drastically for me. Um, on the flip side, if Florida can continue to get the kind of takeaways that they've gotten, I think you give Kyle Trask an extra couple drives in this game. And Dan, like I said, Dan Mullen's going to find a way for some of these to end up in points. Now, they might not all be touchdowns. Um, you know, it may not happen on every drive, but I think if you give him enough chances, Florida's going to be able to put up some points. And I think, you know, in a game that I would expect to be low scoring, any extra drive is going to be huge in this one. Yeah, you know, I just go back to Florida's, you know, their crowd. I feel like with college game day there and, and just kind of hearing Steve uh, Scott Strickland um, talk about how he's expecting this big, you know, record crowd, so to say. Um mm-hmm. It just seems like this defense really kind of feeds off of a you know an electric atmosphere, and I, I go back to I, I want to say it was the Ole Miss game um, when McElwain was there to where I think that was probably the last crowd that was really kind of sellout crowd, and I felt like that really kind of struggle it made Ole Miss struggle with you know kind of getting their cadence down and you know moving the ball and stuff. So I, I just I feel like that's going to be such a big factor whenever you have a young quarterback like that. Yeah, I think we've talked about this game maybe being similar in terms of game plan to the Mississippi State game last year. And I think one key difference is that I'm not sure that Florida will try to shorten this game like they tried to shorten that one in Starkville. Um, you know, obviously they wanted to keep that game low scoring, kind of, you know, keep the clock rolling, get out of there as soon as they could. Um, but the, the dynamics were a little different in that one. You're on the road against a hostile crowd. So any chance um, that you give the, the opposing team the ball and the chance to get momentum is not as good. So Florida was really trying to run down the clock in that one. On the flip side, I think kind of going back to the you know the pacing of the game and whether Florida's in control, um, you know, I think from a Florida defensive standpoint, I think one of the reasons you want to be aggressive is because if you can create some of these turnovers, create quick three and outs, the more chances you give Kyle Trask, the better. Um, and so I don't necessarily see a game plan where Florida's necessarily trying to quote unquote shorten the game. Um, I, I think you you know especially with Florida not really being able to run the ball. I don't think this is one where they're trying to keep it a, a low possession game necessarily. I just think that Florida wants to get to the point where they're going to be able to dictate. And I think a lot of that, again, for me, the key matchup in this game is Florida's defense setting the tone and being able to keep Dan Mullen in a comfortable play calling spot in all three phases of the game. Yeah, and Florida, like you said, uh, the Mississippi State game last year, I thought that they really could 
you know, kind of utilize that run game. You know, you had a guy like Jordan Scarlett who, you know, he mm-hmm. was really good at breaking some of those tackles and they just don't, they just don't have that type of back right now. You know, unless you get Damian Pierce, some more touches in there. Um, they just haven't shown that they have that luxury right now. All right, Brick. Um, we've pretty well hit on the matchups on both sides of the ball. Let's do it. Score predictions. What you got? I think I'm going to go Florida 17-13. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, probably the hardest game to predict right now for me of the season. Um, I, I just think Florida being at home, having that big crowd, um, defense is going to get after it. I think they're going to be pretty juiced for that, getting some guys back. I, I think Florida uses that home count, uh, excuse me, that home crowd um, to their advantage, and they, they make it a pretty tough day for Auburn. Um, I do think it's going to be a really gritty game, and I think it could even be closer than I'm even thinking right now. Closer than you're thinking, okay? Because you got a pretty close score there. I do, and f- I think this is the first time all season I'm going to actually have Florida with a bigger win than you do. Because I'm picking Florida, twenty to thirteen. So I've got one more field goal in there. Um, I think Florida is going to get enough drives that you know Ky- Kyle Trask may not be able to string together a ton of consistent scoring drives given the lack of run game, but he's good enough that he can hit a couple plays in a row where if your defense gives you decent field position, I think you can work Evan McPherson into field goal range. Um, and like you said, I think I just think this atmosphere is going to be on a whole other level, man. I mean, after maybe I'm maybe I'm overly hyped after watching that HBO special and, and kind of seeing all that, but I, I just get the feeling the fan base is ready. You know what I mean? It's year two under Dan Mullen. Florida feels completely disrespected. They've they've dropped twice in the AP poll after wins. Um, I, think, I think Florida's hungry, man, and I think they're going to come out there and um, I expect it to be a hard-fought game, but I think it's going to be one of those SEC classics, man, where you get some some brutal hits and maybe a game-changing turnover. Um, and, and ultimately, I think Dan Mullen and company get the job done. Wow, I'm not sure how to feel about this. You have a higher-scoring game. Usually, I've, I've been like way off all season. I know. I'm the cynic in the group. I'm the cynic. But uh, All right, Blake. Well, it's obviously a huge recruiting weekend as well. So uh, I guess as, as best you can, maybe in a, in a quick recap version, uh, what are we expecting this weekend in terms of big recruits that are in town? Yeah, you know, some of these visits, you know, they're fluid all, all through the week. So for right now, um, barring any changes before, you know, the, the game starts up, Florida's looking at three official visitors right now um, and four-star running back E.J. Smith. He's the son of uh, Gator Gray, Emmett Smith. Um, they're still looking for a running back right now, and he's a, a guy that they're going to get in for an official visit. He was just at Georgia last week, and he's kind of making his rounds over the next couple weeks and months, um, checking out some campuses for official visits. He actually, you, you'd be surprised for being Emmett Smith's son. He hasn't actually been to a game since last year's LSU win, um, so this is his first game in quite a while. Um, another Good guy on there, games. yeah, for sure. He, <laughs> you know, and they picked a win on that one, so maybe lightning strikes twice. Um, another guy, four-star offensive tackle, uh, Marcus Doomerville, big-time Florida target. They're looking for a true offensive tackle couple if they can get it, and they can swing that. Um, he's a big-time guy for them. Um, another four-star defensive end, Zykevis Walker um, out of South Georgia. Really kind of looking more like a Georgia lean right now, but he's uh, been to Florida a couple times this year. And giving them a look, and, and he'll get a chance to kind of get a, a full weekend's uh, fill of, of Gainesville. Um yeah, you know, they're going to have a lot of unofficial guys um, on campus for 2020. Um, Xavier Henderson, younger brother of C.J. Henderson, a big-time wide receiver target for Florida. Another wide receiver four-star that they're going to get on campus for the first time this season, Brian Robinson, 
Um, he's looking like an FSU lean right now, but the, the struggles that they've seen so far this season, I think, have kind of cracked the door open necessarily for Florida. Penn State is another school in there that they're trying to make a run. An interesting visitor is an Auburn commit, Elijah Kanan. Um, kind of weird for an Auburn commit to be visiting Florida, but he has officially visited Florida in the past. Um, he, he visited Florida before, but obviously chose the Tigers um, over the Gators then. But he's still been communicating with the staff. Wide receiver's a big need for them to fill, so they're kind of keeping that uh, net pretty casted. Um, four-star offensive tackle Isaiah Walker Jr. He's had Florida as his leader for almost, I think, like two months, a month and a half now. Um, I believe this is like his third or fourth visit to Gainesville this season, bringing mom and dad with him to the campus this weekend. So I think mm. that if they, if I had to pe- peg a guy, if you're, you're following breadcrumbs, usually mom and dad coming is a chance that maybe you could see someone pull the trigger. Um, so if I had to put somebody on commit watch this weekend, it's Isaiah Walker. Um, quite a few other guys, Jason Jones, a Bama commit on the defensive line. Um, first visit to Florida, I believe ever, um, four-star defensive end Donnell Harris. He's kind of an edge type of guy, um, kind of similar in that Ja'Kai polite, polite kind of role, maybe a little skinny needs to probably take a red shirt and bulk up, um, a Miami commit Jaden Francois, who's a safety guy that Florida's looking at, but has not offered quite yet. He'll be making his second straight visit. He was at the Towson game last weekend. Um, and then another guy on the 2020 wire that Florida's going to have on an unofficial Demarcus Beckwith, um, kind of an athlete type type of, of guy um, and another five star they're going to have. They're going to have a five star edge guy in Desmond um, Evans. This is his first visit ever. He's had Florida in his top five. Um, so a lot of you know kind of things play into this visit he's making. Florida has a ton of 2021 guys that I could literally sit here probably till tomorrow naming off, but it, it's probably one of the most um, elite visitor lists that I've seen for Florida since I've covered recruiting. So here's, it's going to be a pretty insane visit list. Here's, here's where I plug something real quick. If you want to see the 2021 guys, visit Swamp247.com. Smart. <laughs> Listen to that guy. Yeah. All right, Blake. Well, thanks for the preview. Uh, it's going to be a huge weekend, guys. I know you guys are excited. I hope you guys are all in the Swamp there with us Saturday. I'm, uh, I'm as excited for this game as I've been for any game in a long time, just from a coverage standpoint. Um, it feels like it could be you know, the beginning of a turning point for Florida in terms of actually kind of you know, putting a foot through the door and getting back into that national conversation. But, uh, you know, this Florida team, it's got some holes. So we'll see how well Dan Mullen is able to work around it. Um, I think both Blake and I feel like they can manage that. But, uh, you know, that's why they play the games. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. We will be back on Sunday afternoon to break down the Florida-Auburn game. See you then. series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. That was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.